0: This is an ABC podcast. Okay, you've just received a meeting invite for a brainstorming session. Are you excited or do you feel a sense of dread anticipating fighting for airtime with the extroverts in the room and ultimately death by post-it notes? I'm Lisa Leong. Pick up your Sharpies, unroll that butcher's paper because today on This Working Life we're diving into brainstorming. What works, what doesn't and how some people are doing it all wrong. Organizational psychologist Professor Gerard Puccio from Buffalo State has researched and taught courses on creative thinking for
1: 40 years. We did a, a study a number of years ago, published last year, where we looked at 117 groups, small groups, four or five people, where we gave them a real problem, a transportation issue to, to work on. And we compared a traditional meeting, so 20-minute period. We told the groups, do whatever you typically do. Here's the brief. Your goal is to come up with some solutions to this transportation issue. And the groups that were engaged more of a traditional meeting in a 20-minute period, they generated, on average, 22 ideas uh, in that session. Now, when Mm -hmm. we gave people the brainstorming guidelines, they increased the idea output twofold simply by following the guidelines. And then it just explodes when you provide training. Those groups that followed brainstorming and had a single, like a three-day course in creativity generated on average 107 ideas in the same 20-minute period.
0: That all sounds good and well, but when it comes to brainstorming, there's more to it than meets the eye. Let's start at the very beginning with the man who coined the term brainstorming.
1: So Alex Osborne was an advertising man. He was a founding partner of an ad agency, BBDO. This was back at the beginning of the 20th century.
0: And they were quite a successful agency, weren't they?
1: And remain one of the most successful ad agencies in the world today. And so you can well imagine finding ways to deliberately provoke creativity would be a competitive advantage for an ad agency.
0: And Osborne used brainstorming to work that advantage. He outlined his methods in his 1948 book, Your Creative Power, guidelines which are still commonly used today.
1: There are four classic guidelines to a brainstorming session. The first and fundamental principle is to defer judgment or to suspend your criticism. We are so accustomed to when we're presented with an idea to immediately leap to a a criticism or a critique. And in order to be more open-minded, to draw on more ideas, the key principle is to defer judgment. Second principle is to go for quantity, try to produce as many options as you can. Third guideline is to build on other members as they're generating options, so listen carefully. And then the fourth guideline is to really push for novelty, to really think in blue sky terms.
0: Now, Osborne's approach does have some critics though. So what are some of those criticisms?
1: So some of the criticisms relate to what happens in a group. So things like idea blocking. So when you have a a, a facilitator who's scribing the ideas and you're waiting, someone's elaborating on their idea There's something known as idea blocking, where as you're listening to someone else, you stop thinking, and then the worry is you lose track of your own thinking. Uh, Social Mm -hmm. loafing, where, uh, let's say, more shy participants or introverted participants sort of hang in the background, and they let the more dominant individuals take the lead on things.
0: Hey listeners, I just want to interject here because I want to tell you my story about brainstorming because in my other life, I'm also a facilitator. Okay. Um, So we tried to use the brainstorming guidelines with a group of lawyers. And what I realized pretty quickly is that the brainstorming guidelines are the opposite to lawyer training. So for example, it's go for volume, don't be judgy. And of course, lawyers are the opposite. So we get to the brainstorming and we're using the post-it notes. And what the lawyers did is instead of doing one point per post-it note, they started using their biros, even though we told them to use Sharpies, and they just wrote and wrote and wrote. And when they ran out of space, they would go to the next post-it note and write addenda. And then because law firms had really cheap um, knockoff post-it notes, they put them all up on the wall and then suddenly they all unstuck and started raining down all over us as the lawyers were advocating for their positions and not listening to anyone else. So it was a pretty bad start to our trialling of brainstorming with lawyers.
2: The fundamental problem with brainstorming is the group dynamic. And there are several aspects of that group dynamic that actually limit our ability to be creative, one of which is just that that as soon as an individual says something, throws out an idea, that idea infects the mind of everybody else in the room and makes everyone else in the room think about the problem similarly so that after two or three ideas have come out, everybody is thinking about the problem in, in roughly the same way.
0: Art Markman, Professor of Psychology and Marketing at the University of Texas at Austin. And to avoid that groupthink, the process should be carefully managed by a trained facilitator.
2: So when you think about any kind of creative process, there are two phases that that you tend to go through, one of which is what you could call a divergent phase, where you're just trying to come up with as many different ways of characterizing the situation as possible. And then after you have that divergent phase, then you need to converge on one or a small number of of solutions to a problem that you might want to pursue. And one of the things that we know generally about group dynamics is that when individuals work alone, they tend to diverge in the way that they think. And when groups work together, they tend to converge. And so what we want to do is to create situations in which we let individuals do their own thing when we want people to diverge and we want to bring the group together to talk and engage when we want them to converge.
0: Osborne's original concept was throw all the concepts into the pot, suspend judgment. So is it true that there's no such thing as a bad idea then, Art?
2: (laughs) There are plenty of bad ideas out there. (laughs) <laughs> However, one of the things we know about creativity from years and years of studies is that the people who come up with the best ideas are actually the ones who come up with the most ideas. And so it's, it's not that there are some individuals out there where every idea that they have is gold. Instead, it's that these are people who just keep coming at it from different perspectives, but then every once in a while, they hit on something that turns out to be really brilliant. And I think that, that one of the things we have to do is to recognize that while we don't necessarily want to criticize people immediately when they throw an idea out there, at some point, we also have to recognize that certain ideas are simply not going to fly.
0: And 2020 has brought another development for brainstorming. For many of us, it's gone virtual. Oh, I can hear the groans from here. Art knows all about this. He's been in charge of planning the physical return of 24,000 employees and 50,000 students to his university's campus. But despite missing out on the nicely catered tea breaks, there are upsides.
2: So one of the things that tends to happen when you have this remote format is that you you actually give yourself some distance from the problem that you're studying, that you're thinking about. And as a result, you tend to think about it a little bit more abstractly, which often allows you to see other kinds of organizations that have solved problems that might be similar to the one that we're solving. And so that that remoteness had some benefits to it. I think the, the hardest part about the remote environment was really trying to create good discussion among people because it's, it's just very hard for discussions to happen in, in a natural way in that format because you can't make eye contact with anybody else. You can't see who it is who's itching to take the floor but I will say one one thing that is a real benefit about that remote environment is that often in brainstorming situations the boss has an outside infl- an outside influence on what happens. Because everyone's looking to see which solutions does the boss like. And with all of the delays and poor video that you get from some of these conferencing software over the Internet, it's much harder to get the boss's reaction in real time. And so and so you actually get, I think, some benefit there.
0: And when you are engaging remotely but in a synchronous way, how did you encourage discussion so that you did get the divergent views then art?
2: Mm. Yeah. So one of the things that's very different about the remote environment is you have to be a lot more deliberate about the way that you structure things. So it becomes very important to call on people explicitly to really make sure you go around the screen and give everyone an opportunity to speak. Because it's much easier for certain individuals to fade into the background. And so one of the reasons why it can be really exhausting to spend so much time in those virtual environments is because you have to be very careful and explicit and deliberate about every small aspect of an engagement that in ways that you don't have to do. When you're meeting in person,
3: my name's Sarah Crowley. I work across transport planning and I'm passionate about what it means to design streets that not only support the movement and people but how they interact with the places around them. Generally, I find they're a great way to open up discussion with a group of people and if planned properly. The brainstorming sessions can actually help you to navigate through a range of different communication styles of people, plus they also provide the opportunity for some people that might not otherwise like to speak up, Uh, can allow everyone to be part of a broader group discussion and provide input where required. So one session I ran was through an online collaboration platform. Normally you design the background and then you sort of take people through a workspace and facilitate a discussion. It could be quite interactive, almost like using post-it notes, but you're in an online space. Anyway, this time, let's just say I hadn't quite locked down all the different workspace components. And before I knew what was happening, I had all these people online that I was presenting and talking to, and then every single part of the workspace started moving. And it was just like this moving feast of a a creature that just came to life. So what it meant that everyone had picked up all the little different elements and was moving them around, and they were just like bright, colourful, flying things flying around the screen. It was uh, rather chaotic. Anyway, let's just say at this point, I had totally lost control. And um, just had to take a step back, and luckily, I could actually see the funny side of it
2: <laughs> You know, when you get a bunch of people together in a room, there's a feeling like we've got to get the answer now because we're all here. When people are working remotely, I think there's a little bit more tolerance for taking the time to really think things through, and I think that worked quite effectively. I think that that the the hardest part about having a remote environment was really ultimately achieving consensus because uh, partly this was, of course, a very difficult planning scenario and we knew we'd never please everyone and the situation was complicated enough. We'd probably fail to please everyone in some way. But but still, not having that opportunity for people to look each other in the eye and feel that sense of camaraderie and teamwork that comes from from doing something difficult in a common space, I think it made it harder for us to achieve a real consensus. Um, I think we were able to do it, but it, it 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 took a lot longer than I think it would have had we been all in the same place.
0: To minimize some of the potential issues of Osborne's original brainstorming guidelines, Art uses a modified method.
2: Six three five is an interesting technique. It's it, it's a way of trying to take advantage of the benefits of individual and group dynamic. So what you do is you take six people. So that's yeah. the six in six, three, five. You give them each three sheets of paper. That's the three. And you have them write down or draw their, the best solutions that they can come up with for whatever problem that you're facing. After everyone has generated, their three solutions. You have them pass those solutions to the, if you're in the same place at the same time, you have them pass them to the person sitting to their left. And, and then everyone now has the, the, the ideas from the person to their right, and they are given time to build on those ideas. And you do that five times. That's the five. And by the time you, you go through that process of, of passing the ideas along five times and then working on them, now everyone has seen all of the ideas once. And what's nice about that is uh, two nice things. One is you get the power of individuals to diverge in the way that they think about things. But the other thing that's nice is that everyone has worked on every single idea. And this really tends to nullify the influence of somebody who is overly competitive in the brainstorming process. (laughs) There's always somebody who wants their idea to win. And the beauty of 635 is that by the time everyone has looked at every idea, there's no idea that's recognizably any particular individuals. And so now that competitiveness takes a backseat.
4: My name's James Atkins and I'm the director of Vantage Strategy. We use brainstorming a lot. What the problem quite often is, is that people think it's just sitting around a whiteboard with with post-it notes and textures and dreaming aimlessly. That doesn't work. What you've got to do is be really clear about what's the problem you're looking to solve? What's the product you're looking to innovate on? How are you going to help your customers or improve uh, how you operate in your business? Being really clear about what it is you're trying to do. What is it you're looking to solve? How are you actually going to go to market with a different offer? And it's not just about post-it notes or whiteboards. It can be, uh, you can do things like um, creating prototypes together with, with different materials. Or you could get people to draw a vision of the future of a particular product. Or you, you can actually just do a whole lot of mind mapping. The key is to be focused, to have a goal in sight, but also to make sure you've got it matched to the audience you're working with. Once I had a bit of a disaster when I worked with some engineers and I was I was giving them a whole lot of drawing materials, you know, coloured crayons and textures and, and bits of paper and, and big sheets and was getting them to draw a vision of what they saw for this particular product. They all looked blankly and just picked up a black texter and started to write words. Very literal group. For them, being creative in that sort of form, in artistic form, didn't work. So we flipped it and went back to using words and post-it notes. So one of the pitfalls also is quite often people go down rabbit warrens and use brainstorming as, as an opportunity for advocacy. But it really needs to be thought about in terms of exploration curiosity and finding a better way
0: okay so drawing didn't work for the engineers in james's example but art how can it help with the brainstorming process
2: so one of those benefits is we have a lot of visual cortex if you were to actually clasp your hands behind your head the, the area that, that your uh, palms and your hands would be covering is all of that brain real estate that is devoted to visual processing. And so giving that, that brain an opportunity to kick in and contribute to the process by allowing people to draw is helpful. It allows us to express things that can be difficult to say in words. We don't have particularly good descriptive vocabulary for talking about space. Uh, on top of that, uh, we, we, we can describe procedures much more effectively by drawing diagrams. And then there's an added bonus, which we actually found in some studies that we did many years ago, which is that most people actually aren't particularly gifted sketch artists. And so when you sketch something out and hand it to somebody else, they may misinterpret elements of that diagram in ways that spur new ideas that you hadn't even thought of. So there's a little bit of serendipity that comes into allowing people to sketch as well.
0: And you say it's important to slow down the creative process. Why?
2: So one of the things about generating a creative process to begin with is you usually do that when there's something very difficult that needs a solution. And most of us don't like to be in a situation in which there's a difficult problem out there and we don't know how to solve it yet. That's anxiety provoking. We'd like to know this is how we're gonna do it. And so there is a real tendency for people to latch on to the first decent solution that seems to come along and say, yep, that's what we're gonna do. But there may be a much better solution out there that if you just gave the process more time, you would reach. And so it's really important to create space uh, and, and time for people to actually think through the process. And one of the ways to do that is actually to create deadlines that are off into the future so that people don't just latch on to the very first thing that they see. So with our planning process at the university, by, by giving people a full week to sit with the planning scenario, we were telling them uh, you you're gonna be taking a lot of time with this, so, so don't feel like you have to accept this. And we knew we had a 10-week process of generating new scenarios, so there was no particular benefit to uh, really s- settling on whatever was in a particular planning document, actually, it was to our benefit to keep tweaking it throughout until we came up with solutions that we thought were going to be really good ones.
0: What else is important to note about how brainstorming has needed to change with the times?
2: Yeah, so you know the I, I think another aspect of this that's really important is to recognize the social dynamics that come into play. So there certainly is a tendency to worry about what the people in authority are thinking. There are people who may be very early on in their tenure with a a firm who may be reluctant to throw something out there that sounds ill-informed or just might turn out to be a dud idea. And so they don't want to be labeled as the person who had a really terrible idea. I think that there are people out there who don't have a lot of confidence in their own ideas. And so they hold back. And so these are all the reasons why it's actually really valuable to allow people to work alone and to submit ideas and even to submit them in a way where you're not sure who the architect of the idea was, because it does encourage those people who might be reluctant to share something to at least put it down because who knows, it might actually be the germ of a great idea. And so we have to give people some cover, some space. And I think that's something that Osborne's rules didn't really take into account, you know, in part because I think the the, the work environment was a little, little more homogeneous when he was working. Right now, we have a very diverse environment, diverse in gender, diverse in race and ethnicity. And there are dynamics that come into play in the modern workplace that were not part of his experience. And I think it's really important to recognize that somebody may feel like you uh, have concern about throwing an idea out. You know, if you're the only woman in a group, if you are the only member of your racial or ethnic group in the room, you may feel a particular burden in that situation mm. that, that may actually prevent you from sharing as many ideas as you could. And I think it's really important to recognize that diversity is incredibly important to creativity, not just diversity of experience, but also diversity of race and ethnicity and gender. But in order to really take advantage of of that diversity, you also have to give a little bit of anonymity to the idea generation process.
0: Professor Art Markman, it's important to note that while some people still use Osborne's original for brainstorming guidelines for better or for worse, Osborne himself adapted and refined his theories and processes over the years. And his 1953 book, Applied Imagination, became one of the most widely known textbooks in the subject of creativity. Alex Osborne died in 1966, but his life's work lives on in the Creative Education Foundation, which he founded in 1954. Organisational psychologist Professor Gerard Puccio again.
1: So, Osborne is well-known for being the developer of brainstorming, but really his interest was much larger than the single tool brainstorming. He really was concerned about education and the impact of education on imagination and creative talent. And so, he set about to try to um, change the way educators work with students change the educational system so that it promoted rather than killed creativity and imagination i think brainstorming has become part of our everyday language so it's been widely disseminated you know you ask anyone they've heard of the word brainstorming which is terrific but it has overshadowed the larger issue And the fundamental issue, which is how do we help people to preserve their creativity and to expand their creative thinking capacity? Because creative thinking is much larger than brainstorming. Brainstorming is a great tool, but it's not the only tool. And especially today, Lisa, when you look at the skills necessary for success in the workplace and you look at reports like the World Economic Forum or LinkedIn last year identified creativity and creative thinking as one of the top skills for success in the workplace.
0: Gerard Puccio. And that's it from us this week. But if you enjoy our podcast, please take a minute right now, hit share and send it to a friend. Help them find the sunshine at work. This Working Life is produced by Maria Tickle, who in researching the show has developed a mysterious allergy to butcher's paper. I'm Lisa Leong. And until next week...